This podcast is brought to you by Money Smart and Workforce Singapore to empower you to achieve your career goals and aspirations. If you are currently job hunting, start your search at WSG's job portals at mycareersfuture.sg slash moneysmart. Your job search now made smarter. Welcome to this episode of Money Smart's What It Takes, a show featuring founders and business leaders behind some of Singapore's most prominent brands and what they do to build great teams that do awesome work. We dive into company cultures around hiring, what brands do to find the best talents, and what they believe are the most important skill sets that help people get hired and stay relevant in their industries. Now, today's guest is the very exciting Mr. Gary Wong, head of grab pay in Singapore, a seasoned professional in financial services who's uh, been leading the charge at grab pay since 2018. He shares his insight and advice on how they find great talent at grab and much more. So stick around. It's going to be a good show. I'm your host, Elias, and this is what it takes. Gary, welcome to the show and thank you for hanging out with us. Thanks, Elias. Yeah. So I want to get to know you a little bit. You're not as public as maybe some other prominent figures in Grab are. What do you like to do for fun? Let's start there. I'm actually uh, very much into football. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. which which team do you support? Mm. I'm okay. We, <laughs> we, we don't have to go there because I know that might have some ramifications. Yeah, but uh, yeah. maybe do you play football? Let's start there. Um, I actually coach. Oh, no way. My second boy is actually in the academy and I actually coach in the academy. How did you end up coaching football? It's, it's always been in my blood. I can't really play that well. Mm-hmm. So I decided that, you know, got to put my passion to good use. Yeah. So yeah. I think uh, that's how I got into coaching. And I really wanted to coach my boy, but he insisted that I should never coach him. But I can take up my coaching lessons. Right. So, <laughs> so, so that's kind of how we, I started off. What have you learned from coaching football? Teamwork. Right. The discipline, the teamwork, um, and the need to fight for each other because you're as good as your last guy in the team. Right. Right. So right. it's it's that's how you win. And if you win, you celebrate. But if you lose, you also take it on chin and say, you know, better, next better player, but we'll do better the next time. So that's got a lot of carryover into what you do at Grab, uh, which is very leadership-centric, right? Tell us what you do at Grab for those of us who don't know. If I can summarize, I actually try to convert cash to cashless in Singapore. That's one sentence to summarize it. But behind that, there's a whole team that actually looks into how we actually serve our merchants, help them to deal less with cash, turn to cashless, because cashless is a lot cheaper. It's a lot easier. It's a lot faster for, for their customers as well. Um, so that continuous education is really something that, that, that drives us. That's really what we do on a daily basis, if, if I can sum it up. Okay, so that's what the entire vertical of GrabPay does. What does a typical day look like for you specifically? So it starts off uh, in the morning with one or two meetings, yeah. um, usually, just to make sure that things are going on fine. Uh, and then uh, we have plenty of uh, product meetings or, or team meetings whereby we sit down with cross verticals and try to work out solutions to real-life problems, right? Uh, real real issues that our partners face, real issues that our customers like yourselves uh, uh, face as well. So... Um, what may seemingly be okay to us uh, may not be okay to the end consumer. So it's it's that continuous reminder that we must always put ourselves in the shoes of our customers. And that really fires us up, right? Because every day there's something new to be learned, even in a very, very uh, mature market like Singapore. So because you have different challenges every day and you, you are kind of in a very high stakes position, right? Do you have any rituals that kind of prep you for the day? Do you wake up at 5 a.m. and meditate for 10 minutes? 
Give us an insight into that. I typically, my day starts at 6am, uh, partly because of the kids. Uh, I wish you could sleep in a little bit more. I think that's also the time whereby, you know, I, 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 I can... I can clear some emails typically. So I do that. That gives me a very good head start for the day. After my cup of coffee or two these days, <laughs> um, I actually get the kids going and uh, I'm off to work. So um, I think starting your day with a bit of a reflection of the previous day or the weekend is actually very good. And it sets me up. And uh, I'm a morning guy, right? So it sets me up for, for the rest of the day. So I think that's very important because if you take stock of what has happened and you take stock of what you do, um, obviously you're a little bit more prepared to take on the challenges for the day. Okay, okay. So tell us about your career journey. You graduated with a bachelor's in business administration, in marketing specifically, but you spent most of your life uh, thus far in banking and finance, yeah. right? Where did you start? How did that happen? I, I think it started with uh, a career in statboards whereby we actually dealt very much with uh, stakeholders, both internal and external. Thereafter, I started to talk more to merchants in my line of work. And then uh, the opportunity in banking came about. Uh, it was a lifestyle business, a cards business, and I started moving to that. Being in a relationship role is very interesting because you get to first develop a relationship with the, with, the, with the partner and at the same time to understand the needs, the business needs, and then find solutions to it. I, th I think that, that drives me. And when I was able to do that, I started to hold my skills in, in the area as well. And of course, finance comes with banking, right? So, and that's where I kind of got interested in how payments works. And when I realized that actually the cashless society that we all stand up for, it still some, was some way far away, I felt that I needed to be a part of it to, to make a difference. So I think that's, that's pretty much the journey of this well. And if you think about it, payments transcends all industries. It, it's not necessarily in a bank, right? If you're running a small business as an entrepreneur, if you run a little cafe, payments is a pain point for you and it's also a necessary way for you to make money. So actually, it's ubiquitous, right, payments. So I do enjoy the multifaceted uh, approach to payments. And that's kind of how I got interested in what I do. Cool. Okay. So society tends to focus only on victories when they hear of uh, career stories, right? But many turning points are usually on the other side of obstacles. What were some challenges in the early days of your career and how did you overcome them? I think it was... When you're young, you kind of think, is this the right move for me? Is this the right industry for me? And my mom wants me to be in, in a certain discipline, right? That, that's always very common. And, I, and I'm sure the, the audience will, will be able to appreciate that as well. What did your mom want you to do? No, she just wanted me to be a pilot uh, at one stage. But I said, mom, I have myopia. And back, that was, those were back in the days when there was no LASIK, right? So it's really funny. So I said, no, mom, I hate to disappoint you. But I should have listened to you as well. So you should have switched the likes on when I was reading, you know. <laughs> so very quickly, you kind of know that there are some things uh, that you can't do medically, <laughs> I suppose. And there are some things that you should consider doing. Okay. So I, th I think that principle holds true for all of business and uh, even in personal successes as well, right? It's all about how do you, how do you bring value to somebody else's life. And you always be richly rewarded uh, for that type of thing. With that said... I want to go through various milestones in your life. Sure. Uh, what were you most proud of in your early 30s when you were kind of, you know, still kind of starting out? I think I remember when I was in the, my 30s, there was this particular merchant who actually wanted to... That store was at the point of folding up. It was not a spectacular brand by any chance. Uh, it was a foreign brand in Singapore trying to make it work. So they actually reached out to us, and back then I was with a bank, 
I said, is there anything we can do? Because we've tried all ways and means. So we went down to to, to meet up with this merchant. Um, just to understand a little bit better, we literally walked the entire store. We spoke to the owners. We spoke to the marketing people. And we realized that actually they're very, very good merchandise. Excellent merchandise. But they just found that it was very difficult for them to market themselves on a certain unique value proposition vis-a-vis other, other competitors. And it wasn't about pulling customers in or anything like that. It was really just to fix a fundamental issue, which was they have a very good product range. They didn't know how to market it. So typically, when, when in a business negotiation, you always want something out of the merchants, right? So we say, look, it's okay. I mean, it's no skin off our backs. We'll, do, we'll, we'll just give you a few pointers. And maybe if you're interested, you can fix this first, fix your marketing and your branding a little bit more, and then come to us when you're ready. And that's exactly what they did. So we didn't push them to do anything. We just said, we're here to solve a problem. This is our point of view. Have a think about it. If it works, come back to us. If not, it's okay. So the fact that we didn't expect anything um, in particular really worked in our favor. Because shortly after, these guys came back to us and they said, no, I think I, I, I fixed it. I fixed a value prop. Come, I want to use you guys to market for us. And it became a and, and they basically tripled their sales thereafter within a short span of three months. And, and it was really, really nice to see because that's what I mean by doing good, right? If you're able to do good, it will come back to you in some way or another. Having said that, we need to be realistic, right? Because there are timelines and, and stuff like that. But at the same time, if you set out to gain, only gain from the, from the partner, likelihood this, this partnership is not a win-win, it's going to just fall off the cracks. Yeah, but we were able to turn the business around for him or her and basically that came back to us in a good way. So very, very, very inspiring, very heartwarming as well. And it's something that we kind of used as a case study in future years as well. Very nice. Okay. So speaking of Grab, what is the culture like at Grab? Take us into the world of, of Grab. I always tell people three highs, right? <laughs> high talent, pool, high drive, and high growth. High growth as a company to make an impact to the community. High drive as well, because I think you need to have a certain drive and ambition to want to fulfill those aspirations and also to be working with like-minded individuals, high pool of talent. And that's why our diversity of employment comes in. We have people from all walks of life. And it's not surprising because if you think about it, even the businesses that we run have increased quite a bit over the years. We started off with transport and following that we have food. After food, now we are venturing into financial services. And all these need different skill sets, different experiences, different fields of study and specialization. And that's why I think the dynamism of the workforce is, is, is really something that's incredible. Uh, and then the one thing that uh, we also believe in is uh, cross-vertical learning. Just because you're in a transport team today does not mean that you will never get a chance to try, give it a go at in the financial arm within Grab. Likewise, right? Or vice versa. So I think that's where that cross-learning comes in. And that's what appeals as well, right? Um, to, to, to our grabbers, uh, our employees. The ability to always learn new stuff, the ability to learn cross-vertical um, specialization as well, and not be holed up in one single function for too long. Right? So, so we encourage that, 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 that movement as well. What are some key things that have shaped that approach to the way things are at Grab? It goes back to... We have this uh, this mantra, which is, which is the four H's, um, hunger, 
humility, uh, honor, and heart. Hard to serve, right? That's a given. Humility to learn. I think if you are if you have the humility to learn, you will get very far in grab. Because every day is a new experience. You don't, you know, if you are d- doing transport and you suddenly want to go to uh, financial arm of the business, no one's going to stop you. The only thing that's going to stop you is your pace of learning, right? So if you have the desire to learn and to enrich yourself in order to do better, fine, go ahead. Um, hunger as well, because you need hunger to, to in this super fast-paced environment, you need a lot of hunger. You need to be able to, to test boundaries, to challenge norms, find creative solutions to problems, right? So, so that hunger is absolutely important. And of course, honor. Honor in the sense that, like back to my earlier point, right? Um, what we spoke about, the ability to treat partners fairly is important, whether big or small, to treat them with respect and to do what is best for them. So those fundamentals need to be there. So these are the four key, our core value system, basically driving us forward. Hey guys, so many amazing lessons to glean from this segment. One of the things that really stood out to me was that Gary believes in doing good for partners and those around you. You'll hear this come up a number of times through the course of this podcast. He says, when you only set out to gain from someone, chances are that scenario is not going to go well. Now, this makes a whole lot of sense because creating win-win scenarios is what successful businesses and partnerships are based on. Serving others in order to find mutual success. And this is applicable at all levels, whether it's between boss and employee, clients and businesses, creating value for others often brings you success as well. And just a reminder, this podcast is brought to you by Money Smart and Workforce Singapore to empower you to achieve your career goals and aspirations. If you're not sure where to start, check out WSG's career matching services that help you seek guidance from a professionally certified career coach. Find out how to sign up at mycareersfuture.sg slash moneysmart. Your job search made smarter. So as a team member, how do you create magic? How How do you get them to work together? So as a leader, uh, I think I think what happens is we go back to fundamentals, higher right. We absolutely need to hire right. So I can't emphasize how important that is. The ability to see how a new employee actually integrates with the culture, integrates with the team is absolutely important. So so that's one. The second thing is we look for a few traits, right? The, the four H's that I spoke about, humility, heart, hunger, and honor. In terms of characteristics, I will be looking at attitude. That never say die attitude. Grit, right? It's grit. Very, very important. Because we will fail in this role. Absolutely. In fact, most of most of the roles. But definitely I can assure you that when you first start your, your job, you will fail. The question is how do you pick yourself up? It's not about, it's not how to prevent yourself from failing. If you are able to pick yourself up fast, quickly, iterate and do better, I think that's that to me is a standout employee and that's a standout team player. Yeah, that's what we strive to do. Or I strive to do as well. Amazing. Okay. So uh, speaking of the importance of teamwork, sometimes office politics and conflict can really make or break the way a company can thrive, right? Uh, how do you deal with, with politics and conflict amongst really talented members uh, who's, you know, who are there to kind of work together and to serve you? So I think... I keep going back to this, right? Higher right, okay? So assuming you higher right, next thing is, how do you create a system whereby there's a clear, clear feedback loop for every individual? Not just to the leader, but also 
to each other, right? So I always encourage the teams to confront the situation. Don't confront each other. Confront the situation. It's always the situation that makes things complex. It's not people. The third thing is um, our appraisal system. I think we have a 360 feedback system whereby your peers can actually rate you as well on top of your immediate uh, report. So this 360 view actually uh, encourages a lot of collaboration. It encourages the opportunity to, to give feedback um, constructively and for the person to also take that feedback and internalize and improve on it. So I think these three elements will set the stage, at least in grab, for our guys to really um, not dwell too much into the politics and, and, and just focus on what's really, really important, which is to solve problems. So encourage objectivity, openness, and uh, and kind of a nimble approach to to solving issues. Uh, absolutely. I'm assuming. Okay. absolutely. This reminds me of Ray Dalio's approach to setting company culture at Bridgewater. Was it inspired by that at all? <laughs> um, we, we, we are always looking for inspiration, but we also want to create our own culture as well. Of course, yeah. <laughs> so I think that's where um, we stay true to what we believe in. Our core values actually underpin whatever we do. Uh, and, and because we believe that Look, we, we are a platform. End of the day, we are a platform player. We are only successful because of the people that we have in our system, in our company, and the partners that we work with. So we need to make sure we put them as priority, solve their problems, and naturally our problems will be solved. <laughs> yeah, so, so I, think, I think if you have that outward view before you take that in on an individual basis, I think that is the recipe for success. Okay, so Grab seems like a very, a uh, very cool place to work at these days. I have a lot of friends who are very impressed with the fact that I was going to be here sitting with you. How do you make uh, Grab attractive to potential employees? I think what we do is we we walk the ground quite a bit. Many of our leaders actually go to campuses. For example, some of us are involved in NUS Open Talks. You see, our leaders actually walking the talk as well. For example, Anthony and Ling, they are personally involved in some talking to our drivers in different markets talking to the stakeholders, the merchants and all that. So that really sets the stage, sets the tone for the rest of, our, of the organization. And this transcends all layers and all levels. So we are, as a result, inspired as well, right? Um, to basically walk the round, uh, walk the talk. We constantly talk to our customers. We talk to our merchants and, 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 and that's important, down to the very last person. In, in my team, I actually started this uh, a day in the, uh, a day in the life of, right? So that's important. So you build empathy uh, across verticals as well. So for example, um, the customer service team, they sometimes have to deal with quite a few customer issues. So we will then say a day in the life of customer service and they will understand it from a business point of view if they come and so-called do our job for one or, one or two days. So I encourage that. Um, it's something that, especially during our orientation process, uh, I encourage the, 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 new, the new hires to do. We also have a very strong onboarding team as well, uh, onboarding program. So within the first three days, for example, we sit with drivers, right? We are company drivers on the road, try to understand what they go through. And it builds a lot of empathy, builds a lot of understanding of what they go through. And sometimes the best solutions come from that. Identify some of the pain points that they have as well. Yeah, so, so it's, it's really making sure that we set the example by walking the talk. I think that's the best way to, to encourage anybody to, to consider Grab. Who do you usually find knocking on your doors looking for a job at GrabPay? We, we do have quite a few people from the banking sector simply because we've built up our financial services, financial institutions. We see quite a bit of interest from, from that sector. 
We also see a lot of interest from uh, people from other tech firms who believe that in Grab, they are able to have greater impact if they were to join us. So um, we, we, love, we love those kind of uh, conversations with these people, with those folks as well. So I think, I think those were, but they come from all walks of life, to be honest, and spans geographies as well. It's not just Southeast Asia. I mean, we operate in Southeast Asia, but we have people coming from as far away as South America and uh, North America, yeah. Why is that, that type of diversity important to you? I think it spurs creativity. It brings knowledge from different markets into solving the problems that we have in Southeast Asia. It also brings lessons from those countries as well. And that diversity has actually helped us a lot because in Southeast Asia itself, we have so many countries that we operate in. We need people who are able to, what may work in Singapore may not work in Malaysia, for example. What works in Cambodia may not work in Thailand, uh, for, for example, as well. So we need that confluence of the, the injection of all these new ideas, creativity, in order to find different ways of solving different problems. So that really, really helps. And how do you reach out to these people? I think many people actually, given that we're, we're quite blessed in the sense that we already have a good stable of all, all these uh, folks from different diver, diverse cultures already in. So many a time we actually look towards them for referrals as well. So because they have gone through the experience in Grab, they are able to articulate to their friends or their family members or wherever it, whoever they are about how Grab works. So by the time this, these people show interest in Grab, then come over for, for, for chats or interviews, there's a natural self-filtering process that goes through as well. Yeah, so, so I think success will breed more success. Yeah, so we are very thankful for that. So Grab is all about connecting kind of like, you know, different entities and stuff like that. There are a lot of jobs portals out there that connect talented individuals with uh, very exciting companies such as Grab and GrabPay. Uh, are you familiar with any kind of job portals and what kind of stands out to you about these portals? Like, like I said, um, I think what we're more interested in is we want to find people who have seen us in action as Got leaders, it. right? Um, job portals, frankly speaking, there are quite a few. Uh, and I think more importantly, it's to be able to see what we do and, and, and identify with it. So once they identify with it, that that interview process, that, that discussion with the can, potential candidate becomes so much easier. Yeah, so um, we rather let our our examples or our actions uh, share uh, be be the be the job portal, so to speak, for them. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, what are some more popular roles or departments that people generally apply for a grab? Because I, I'm sure a lot of people they know a lot of the public facing uh, aspects of grab, things on the UI, the mm. the stuff that you can see on on bus ads and stuff like that. Uh, What's, what's underneath all of that and what generally attracts the most talent? Business development um, roles are typically quite popular, um, especially across uh, multiple disciplines. Data, data science, data uh, is a very critical part because I mean, a lot of what we do leverages on data right, uh, to make lives better. Um, financial services as well. I think people with some people, um, the financial positions uh, are actually quite popular as well. Uh, from insurance to payments to um, perhaps uh, other other verticals as well, lending, for example. And how do these people make themselves more attractive to you? How do these people make themselves more attractive to you? You know, uh, as an employer, what are you looking out for, and, and what can these people do to to increase the chances of being able to land these roles? Yeah. So I'll I'll, tell, I'll share with you something that's interesting. Um, whenever I see candidates, they always tell me, 
um, Gary, I don't know whether I should wear a tie, a shirt, or just dress down, you know, in a t-shirt. So I said, yeah, whatever you're comfortable in, right? And I think that's the most important. Um, so that's normally uh, the first hurdle that they always have to go through. But I think beyond that as well, what I usually do is uh, the way the way they carry themselves is important. Um, that humility that the four H's. I always try to look out for those. The, the humility, the hunger to to serve and to do better for others. I think those are those are traits that I, I'm always looking out for. Because the resume CV typically tell you all, you know, all their achievements, which is great. But uh, achievements don't make superstar teams. Uh, the right attitude does. So between between kind of like the, the the human qualities you need to have and your academic grades, somewhere in the middle of that are a lot of skills that are very kind of relevant to the modern workforce, right? Certain things like how to pitch ideas, right? Because the value of an idea is it's only as good as how convincing I am to you that the idea is good. Otherwise, it will never go beyond my head. Okay, two major things stand out to me about this segment. Gary Wong does not care about your achievements. Instead, what's more important to him is how you handle failure. He sees grit in the face of failure as proof that a person can sail both smooth and rough waters. And I tend to agree. It doesn't matter how many, how many things you've achieved. Uh, if a setback completely ruins you for the rest of your life in your career, then none of that matters. So uh, grit in the face of hardship and how you turn the ship around when you fail, that's what Gary Wong looks out for. Uh, the second thing that stood out to me is that empathy seems to guide a lot of Gary's actions. Now, creating win-win scenarios for the people you serve and for the people who serve you requires you to truly understand what they go through. This is applicable at every level from leadership to even being a potential employee. Now, just a reminder, this podcast is brought to you by Money Smart and Workforce Singapore to empower you to achieve uh, your career goals and aspirations. Whether you're a fresh grad looking for your first job, an executive gunning for a promotion, or even a senior manager tasked to lead a team. If you are in need of career guidance, head on over to mycareersfuture.sg slash moneysmart for our top tips, tricks, and even inspiration. Your job search now made smarter. So speaking of kids, a lot of uh, millennials and Gen Z individuals are coming out of school and joining the workforce. Uh, have you noticed a, a change in approach when it comes to hiring uh, fresh graduates? If, if, if you ask me, at the end of the day, there needs to be a common factor that we, where we look at, right? So it goes back to attitude, having the grit uh, and having the humility to serve. So I think these are three traits that Frankly speaking, whether you're Gen Z, millennial, whether experienced professional, we should we should benchmark ourselves against that, right? So I think I think that's num that's number one, and number two, I think um, what's important is also to to go in with for 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 anyone all the Gen Zs go in with and have a bit of fun in your job, right? It's 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 not you know you're not going to prison, yeah, you're going to you're going to do something that's meaningful, right? So go go for it, right? And fail. Just don't fail too spectacularly, but fail. And then make make a difference. And if you make a difference, you realize that you will learn so much, so much faster than whatever your boss tells you, whatever anybody tells you. Because that's 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 something inherent that you take away in your role forever. So going back to your point about things seeming daunting for, you know, for fresh grads coming into the workforce, um, I'm sure you've come across a lot of uh, young employees who have have failed in in the early days, right? 
How do you as a leader kind of help them turn the ship around and pick themselves back up again? I think it's important not to judge when there's failure. It's important to tackle the problem, tackle the situation, not the person. So, I mean, look, if the guy failed, he or she probably feels a bit, they, they, don't, they don't really feel you know, in the best of moods already. So I think the last thing they need is somebody to tell them, hey, you did, you did bad. But look at it from a constructive point of view. Where was the gap? Find a way to plug the gap the next time and do better. It's as simple as that, right? And to, and to that point, I'll just relate something personal as well. I actually hired somebody in the past who had failed as an entrepreneur. He wanted to start his own cafe business, failed miserably. He was played out by his business partners. And I felt that this was the candidate I needed. We actually hired him straight away, right? And to me, that is important because you've gone through the tough times and now you're tougher than most others. And you'll be able to take whatever comes with a pinch of salt, right? You will breeze through because nothing phases you. So I think the fact that you have failure in your life is not a blemish. It's a point of inspiration to me. Okay. Uh, sometimes failure can lead to dead ends in certain organizations. Maybe it's just a bad cultural fit, a uh, bad approach to work. How do you, when you identify somebody that may be unsuitable for your team, right? How do you handle something like that? I, I think it's important to have open communication. So I think first and foremost, I think before it even comes to a point whereby you, know, you need to part ways, for example, it's important to have a constant feedback loop, constant communication to say, hey, you know, that wasn't exactly what we intended. This is, these are the gaps. Let's work towards it. Listen to the employee as well. I'm sure they have the point of view. And then have mutual, do it mutually, do it together. Right, go through that journey together to improve. And at one point in time, if you have done it well, uh, done it in the proper way, it, it will be a natural decision thereafter, whether this person should stay, should leave, or should continue. And I think by then, it'll be there will not need to be major rounds of explanation or, or discussion because you really try your best. So I always tell candidates uh, or people who have come and gone in different organ organizations, all I ask is you try your best. And if you don't think this is for you, it's okay. It's okay, right? Take it as a learning experience and do better, right? And maybe, I will, I will even call it a point of failure. I'll just say that it's a phase of life that you had to go through. And it's very normal. We've all gone through it in some way or another anyway. Yeah, so why can't we acknowledge that this is part and parcel of life? Okay, so some people sometimes uh, enter that type of phase of life and realize that, hey, maybe the thing I spent 15 years doing isn't really the thing I want to spend the rest of my life doing. I want to search for something else, right? How do you, what type of advice do you have for people like that who maybe want to switch uh, their career paths midway? I think first and foremost, be realistic. I think that's important. For example, if you have a family, a young family, for example, let, let's, be, let's be realistic about it, right? Um, if you're new to the job, if you're new, fresh out of school, maybe less, less of a commitment in, the, in that sense. So the situation and dyna dynamics are quite different. Um, second thing is shift and move for the right reasons. Let it be a purpose that you want to achieve. Let it be an objective you want to achieve in a new company rather than what you do not want to do in your current company. So that I think that's, that's very important. The third is always, always stay humble because you may be 15 years in a job, you switch to a new role. Naturally, there will be some expectations of yourself. 
there could be some personal pride that comes in. How do you put that aside and say, end of the day, I'm still learning every day, every moment, right? And how do you how do you instill that in yourself such that you will continue to to push forward? So that humility is again very important, uh, in, in my opinion, absolutely. I want, I want to go back to the point of uh, you saying the reason why you make the switch is not because of what you don't want to do, rather what you want to do for, uh, with the rest of your life, right? What is the framework for making that type of decision? I would encourage everyone uh, to first to be objective. If you are feeling upset, over happy, so then don't, don't, right? Go, go for a run, yeah. do something else, right. hang out with friends. So if it's a result of a wash of emotions is what yeah, you're saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. try not to make the decision then. Yeah, yeah, because usually that is not the best decision you will ever make. <laughs> so be calm, have a more objective view of the situation. So assuming that's out of the way, then the next thing is be clear why you want to move. Right? Is it because of a push factor or a pull factor? Go because you want to do something bigger. Go because your skill sets allow you to do something better in that new company and that new environment. I think that's critical. Make a difference, right? If you are not making a difference, then don't move because you may be already doing it here in the existing role and there's nothing wrong with it. And the last is actually preferably leave with a legacy. Leave with something that you have done to make a difference in your current role. So if you check these three boxes, in my opinion, I think that's a good move. So, okay, so we're down to our last two questions. Um, if let's say I decide I'm going to be objective and then I realize that I don't have what it takes to work at Grab, but I really want to work at Grab, what do I do? So I, I, I think we have a very clear program to actually help uh, Anybody who wants to give it a go, right, in Grab, and, and if they think they're up for it and the manager thinks it's, he or she is up for it. We have internships, we have contract positions, uh, whereby we actually bring people in. Uh, it's a bit of a let's test each other out, right, kind of situation. And we have a few interns, actually, who have actually been converted to full-time employees um, because they've done exceedingly well in their, in, their, in their limited role at the start. So I think that's where the beauty of harnessing talent is, it's not so much always to look in external sources. A lot of times we actually look internally as well. There could be gems, many, many gems. Uh, and we have had so many gems over the past few years that have, uh, who have been converted from interns to perm, uh, cross vertical um, movements and so on and so forth. So I think the talent pool is not, and frankly speaking, the talent pool is not a big concern. It's about finding the right fit. Okay, so here's my last question. If you could change someone's life, what would you tell them? Find a way to help others, especially those who cannot add a single drop of value in your life. And you will be, you'll be, you'll be okay. How has, that, how has that changed your life or how has that added value to your life? To be honest, if the focus shifts away from yourself to others, I think that is powerful. That is, uh, that's life-changing. And the greatest... The greatest satisfaction of being a leader in Grab is to see many of our our, our guys actually uh, do better, do well, and potentially do even better than yourself. Um, I've had a few guys in the team who have done exceedingly well as well. Um, and they, they have outgrown their roles, which is great. They're doing stuff that perhaps I could never have considered doing. And they are making a difference in the marketplace. 
So I think I think that's 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 the greatest satisfaction. Do for others, yeah, and it's okay. Everything will come back. So we've been talking about that in the context of leadership, but you weren't always a leader. So how is that manifested when you weren't a leader? I think、um, if you're not a leader, the first thing, perhaps the, you're still a self leader, right? So self leadership is equally important, if not more important than team leadership, in my opinion, because it all starts from there, and how you actually conduct yourself, how you actually want to help others do better. Is is absolutely important. So if you are an individual contributor, I will focus my attention on the merchants, on the partners out there who really need Grab's help. And if you can help them succeed, that is the greatest satisfaction anybody can get. And it will definitely your growth, your personal growth will be phenomenal as you transit them from an individual contributor to a team leader. That ethos, that value system, will be something that you can start to influence in others as well. And that will be an even, I imagine, a more fun, more fun game to play. <laughs> Amazing! Thank you very much, Gary. Thank, thank you, thank you, thank you, Elias, with us today. If you were at a hawker center, what dish would you go for? Chicken rice. There we go. <laughs> Thanks, Gary. Hey guys, it's me again. Really insightful things to glean from this portion of the conversation. Something that really stood out to me is that how Gary believes that if you're making a major career switch, it should be about. What you yearn to achieve next, as opposed to trying to get out of a situation you don't like right now.、Uh, Gary doesn't really elaborate on this, but I suspect that focusing on what your heart yearns for next、uh, forces you to really consider what would be a meaningful next step, as opposed to a reaction to alleviate your present pain.、Uh, a lot of insight in there. And, and as most of us are bad fortune tellers, Gary also recommends speaking to a mentor. Who has been in a similar situation in the past to help you make clearer decisions for the future? Now, whether you're looking for a new job or looking to make the switch, he also wants to remind you that you're allowed to enjoy the process as long as you're approaching it with enough grit, the right attitude, a willingness to serve, and an open mind. And with that, that's a wrap for this episode of Money Smarts: What It Takes. We hope the last 30 minutes with Gary has given you a glimpse into the world of grab and grab pay. And how you can prepare yourself for a career there, or level up to stay in the game for the long haul. Join us again soon for the next episode, where we bring you more of what it takes. I'm Elias So for Money Smart, and I will see you next time.